Well, good morning. It is a joy to get to worship alongside of you this morning and to continue in worship through the reading of God's Word. So if you have a Bible with you, if you'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. We are headed toward the end of 1 Peter after several months. I hear we just have a few weeks left going through this wonderful book of the Bible. Uh, and today we get the joy of looking at what the Bible says about leadership in the local church. And so we're excited to dive into that and kind of coming out of that, just kind of let you know the flow this morning. We're going to spend some time in an elder conversation because uh, it kind of fits where we are and as a church and be able to speak to some of the things as we go forward. So that's where we are uh, this morning and what we're going to do. And I also just want to take a second, if you've been around, you've noticed a bunch of green shirts around this morning. That's because Vacation Bible School starts tonight. And we are so excited to be able to invest in the next generation every week. Kids, we are glad you're in this room for the gathering to be a part of the worship service with us. And we're praying about what God's going to do this week. So if you have kids who are going to be a part, praying for them. If you don't have children who are in VBS, maybe they're older, uh, pray for our kids this week. That they would see the gospel. Pray for the leaders and teachers who are going to be proclaiming the good news. That we would see lives changed this week. So let's go ahead and jump just straight into 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. I have the privilege of actually growing up in this church, and so this has kind of been my home church for most of my life, and there's so many things that are special about Tri-Cities and getting to be a part of this family with you and alongside of you, Uh, but one of the things that's been an incredible gift and blessing throughout the time that myself, my wife, have been a part of this church family has been the elder leadership that's here, the plurality of leaders. And I can remember kind of growing up, especially getting older, when I talk to people who go to different churches, a common question is, uh, what does leadership look like in your church? Who leads your church? Who's the pastor of your church? And so the answer is, well, the elders do. And typically, kind of growing up in this area, I get one of two responses. One response would be something like, oh, that sounds really biblical. I haven't seen that before. Or the other really common response is, elders, what's that? You know, that, that's, that's kind of strange. What are elders? And I think when I was talking, when I talked to people, and even sometimes still do, when we talk about elders, like people have different pictures in their minds of what an elder is. Some people kind of think of elders and they think like executives or CEOs, and you've got people in suits and ties sitting around the table, which Pastor Mike loves wearing a tie. So, you know, and there's kind of boardroom setting, but that's not what elders are. Some people, when they hear the word elders, they just think a bunch of old dudes hanging out together, you know, elders are there. Some people think about elders, and it's almost like this mystical Jedi Christian council, you know, of super spiritual Christians who come together. 
But what we see in our text this morning, and this is our big truth, is that when we look at elders, the Bible's really clear that elders are shepherds of God's flock. Elders are shepherds of God's flock. That's what elders are called to do and called to be, and we see this here in 1 Peter. So I just want to read again. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Shepherds are called, or elders are called to shepherd the flock of God, to lead like a shepherd. And this isn't the first time that Peter's talked about a shepherd. If you're kind of thinking through 1 Peter, you might think back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. Peter talks about Jesus being the shepherd of our soul. And he says Jesus is the shepherd and overseer. Exact same two words that he now uses when he's talking about the elders. And so what he's kind of alluding to is that elders are called to shepherd, lead, provide oversight like Jesus. Not to be Jesus, but to be a representation of him. To be a reflection of him to God's people within a local church. And we might ask the question, where did Peter get this idea of shepherd leadership? Well, he got it from Jesus. Remember Peter's last encounter with Jesus in the book of the Gospel of John. Jesus and Peter are by the campfire, and Jesus asked Peter this question three times. Do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. What does Jesus say back to Peter? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. This is the charge that Jesus gives to Peter, and now Peter is giving to the leaders in the local church. They are called to be a shepherd. And so what does that mean? Well, he he says several things about shepherds, and I just want to kind of call them out of this text, and we'll kind of get more into how shepherds lead as we continue through this passage. But let me just highlight a few things that he says about shepherds and their leadership. The first thing that we notice in this passage is that shepherds are called to lead through hardship. Shepherds are called to lead through hardship. And we see that in verse 1, the very first word, the word so. And so is a connecting word. So it's pointing us back to what we were just reading about in chapter 4, where Peter's been addressing the church about hardship, suffering, persecution and trial and how we are to entrust ourselves to God, to a faithful creator while doing good. So the primary context for shepherd leaders, for elders in the local church is it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hardship. If hardship comes on the church, it's most first and foremost going to come on the leaders of that church. So shepherds lead through hardship. The second thing that we see is that shepherds are members of God's flock. Look with me really quickly again at verse 1. It says, so I exhort the elders, and here's the key word, among you. Among you. He's addressing, as you look at this passage, and this is really important if you have your Bible open, Peter's not just speaking to the elders, to the leaders, he's speaking to the church. Look at the way it's said. So I exhort the elders among you. Who's the address to? To the church, to God's people. Yes, to the elders, and he's going to specifically talk to them in a minute, but he's talking to the body. What does this say to us? Well, it says, one, the elders are called to be members of the church. They're to be among God's people. They're to know the sheep. They're to be one of the sheep. 
Elders don't sit above the congregation. They're not more important than the church body. They are members of the church body. An elder or pastor who isn't with God's people is not a biblical elder. They're called to be among God's people. And this is really important. As you listen to this message this morning, as we walk through this text, it's easy if we're not careful to read this passage of Scripture and kind of disassociate ourselves from it and say, oh, well, this is just Peter's words to the elders. That's not for me. No, he says, among you. He is addressing the church. He's addressing you this morning. He's addressing me. Elders are called to be members. They're called to be among God's people. They're called to live and rejoice and hurt and suffer and be in the context of God's people. Elders are members. So shepherds lead through hardship. Shepherds are members of God's flock. A third thing we see when he talks about shepherds is that shepherds are stewards. Shepherds are stewards. This is important. They are stewards, not owners. The elders are stewards, not owners. Again, verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. This is important. Shepherd the flock of who? Of God. Whose flock is it? Is it the elder's flock? No. It's God's flock. Everyone in this room belongs to only one king, and his name is Jesus. This church belongs to King Jesus. Not to the elders, not to a pastor. It belongs to the Lord. And so even here, Peter is reminding the flock, he's reminding the body, but he's also reminding the elders of who they belong to. They belong to Jesus. So shepherds are not owners. They're not in charge. They don't own the flock. They they steward the flock. They serve the flock. They lead God's people as stewards, not as owners. And the last thing I just want to point out as as he talks about shepherds is that a shepherd's responsibility is to care for the sheep. So the context of their leadership is hardship. Shepherds lead through hardship. Shepherds are members of God's flock. Shepherds are stewards, not owners. But fourth, a shepherd's responsibility is to care for the sheep. And we see that in this picture in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. What does a shepherd do? A good shepherd, as Jesus defines for us in John chapter 10, cares for the sheep. In fact, there's two metaphors for leadership in Scripture that we see all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. Those are servant and shepherd. What do shepherds do? Shepherds lead the sheep. Shepherds feed the sheep. Shepherds guide the sheep. Shepherds protect the sheep. This is the role of an elder. This is the role of a pastor to lead God's people, to feed God's people, to guide God's people, to protect God's people from sin and from false teaching. So shepherds serve the flock of God and elders are to shepherd God's people like Jesus who is the chief shepherd as it says in verse 4. Jesus is the chief shepherd. The church belongs to him but God has laid out in his wise good design for men to come and to lead individual conversations or congregations, not conversations, congregations for the glory of God, for the good of those people. So that begs a question this morning that I want to take a few minutes to try to answer. 
how do elders lead? How do shepherds lead? What should their leadership look like in the local church? Again, before I walk through these big ideas, and I'll move through them fairly quickly, uh, because they're just very plain within the text, I just want to remind us, when, when we think about elder leadership, when we think about pastors, elders, and those are the same office, same role, just different titles, they're not super Christians. They are people. People who sin, people who struggle, people who need Jesus just as much as anyone else in this room does. And the way in which elders are called to lead is not supposed to be special or different from God's people. But listen, this is important. Everything that we're about to talk about, every single believer in a local church should aspire to. These aren't special qualifications, special roles. These are things that we all should be seeing develop in our lives. The elders should be leading the way in. And so as we walk through these specific things, just want to encourage you to say, is that true of me? Where can I grow in that area? How do I need to grow as a Jesus follower? And so how do elders lead? How do shepherds lead? Several big ideas just straight from the text. Let me give five very quickly. First one is this. Elders lead by exercising oversight. Elders lead by exercising oversight. Look at verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And here's the charge. Exercising oversight. Exercising oversight. So how do elders, how do shepherds lead? They're called to exercise oversight. What does oversight mean? Well, the word in the Greek means this. To care for, to guard against, to minister to, and to watch over. To care for to guard against, to minister to, to watch over. The picture uh, in this text is almost like a massive tree. And in this massive tree, all of the animals and all the plants find shade. They find protection from the heat. They find protection from the elements. They find nutrition and food, and it protects them and it overlooks them. That's the way that elder leadership is supposed to be. To protect, to care for, to minister to, to love the flock, to nurture them. One of the ways we do that is through teaching, teaching the word, teaching truth, calling us to truth. Another way we do that is through protecting. We protect the flock from false teaching, what is true and what is false. Another thing that we're called to do is to protect the flock from sin. And so we call out sin. We make one another aware of sin. We we call it out because we want to be healthy and following Jesus. One of the key words here is it says to exercise oversight. Exercise, it's continual action. An elder or shepherd's called to continually do these things again and again and again and again. To continue to teach, to continue to protect, continue to care for it, and continue to be involved. One of the words is to watch over. That means to inspect, to be involved in. You know, sometimes we don't like people getting in our business, but what he's saying is that the elders are supposed to be involved in the lives of the sheep, to be involved in the lives of the church. That's part of the role, the responsibility. And this is the opposite of self-centered leadership. It's God-centered and people-centered leadership. So elders lead by exercising oversight. Secondly, elders lead willingly, not under compulsion. They lead willingly, not under compulsion. Again, look at verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Willingly, not under compulsion. 
The word willingly here literally means wholeheartedly. It means to lead with your whole heart. That you're not leading out of obligation. Not leading out of trying to please man or please people. And again, think about the context. Peter's been talking about suffering and hardship and persecution again and again and again. And one of the challenges the elders are going to face and your pastors face is sometimes you're going to just feel the weight of all the difficulty, all the hardship, and you're just going to keep going because you feel like you have to. If I don't, who will? So you keep pressing forward. He's saying, don't lead that way. Don't lead under compulsion. Don't lead out of what people want you to do. Don't lead it out of the pressure of the difficulty, the circumstances around you. Lead wholeheartedly out of this call that God has placed on your life. I think the mindset here that that Peter is saying and calling to the elders is to have a a get-to mindset instead of I have-to mindset. You guys know what I'm talking about when I, when I talk to my kids and say, hey, can you go feed the dog? A lot of times the answer is, oh, do I have to? And, you know, and then as a good parent, I will now lecture them for the next 10 minutes of how they get to have a dog and what a privilege it is. And they get to keep the animal alive and how it's teaching responsibility. I'm sure they're incredibly motivated by the end of our conversation. But friends, we get to serve one another. It's not that we have to, we get to. We get to serve Jesus. We get to serve one another. This is to be the attitude, the mindset of an elder, of a pastor. I get to, I'm willing to, I want to, I'm wholehearted in it. Not people-pleasing, not under compulsion, but willingly. Third big idea, elders lead eagerly, not for shameful gain. Elders lead eagerly, not for shameful gain. Continue on. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Verse 2, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So another trap for elders, for pastors in the local church. One is going to be leading out of compulsion. I have to. People want me to. And so I do. A second trap is going to be leading to get something. To gain fame. To gain popularity. To gain a standing. To gain money. And one of the common warnings of false teachers found throughout the New Testament is they are trying to gain influence for themselves. They are trying to gain money for themselves. They are robbing the congregation for their own good. Peter says, don't lead that way. Don't lead for gain that is shameful. Instead, lead eagerly. The word eagerly means zealously, with passion. It's very similar to the willing word. There should be a joy that comes with leading God's people. So the mindset here is get to versus get something. Elders, shepherds, pastors don't lead within the church to gain something for themselves. They lead for the glory of God, for the good of God's people. So elders lead by exercising oversight. Elders lead willingly. Elders lead eagerly. Fourth, big idea is this. Elders are called to lead by example, not oppressively. They lead by example, not oppressively. Look at verse 3. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Elders are called to not be oppressive, to be domineering, to push themselves and their authority down on the congregation, down on the sheep, but they are called to be examples, 
to model the way. We see this throughout the New Testament when Jesus talked about leadership in Mark chapter 10. He said, don't be like the Gentiles who lorded over them, who oppress people, but be a servant. In John chapter 13, before Jesus goes to the garden, goes to the cross, he is in the upper room with the disciples. He gets down, he washes their feet. He says, you go and do likewise. Follow my example. This is how shepherd leaders are called to lead. They don't use their authority to oppress. They serve the sheep. They serve the flock. So I think a good question here is, what is the difference between being oppressed by a leader versus being admonished by a leader? Because sometimes you might hear, probably not from me, but maybe from Pastor Daniel or Pastor Mike, you might hear them say something that kind of bothers you a little bit. Feels like in your business, I would never do anything like that. But they might sometimes from stage say something that just, oh, that feels a little personal, a little bit harsh. Is that oppressive? Is that domineering? Or is that biblical admonishment? How do you know the difference? Look at the example of their life. Peter says the way you will know the difference is not by what they say in the moment, but the way they live their life. The way they love their family, the way they love their spouse, the way they serve the congregation. Are they pointing people to Christ? Are they modeling his pursuit? And Peter is an example of that in this passage. Notice how Peter addresses the congregation, how he addresses the elders. In verse 1 he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder... So this is one of those moments where Peter could have played the apostle card. Hey, I'm an apostle. I was a disciple of Jesus. You listen to me, you do what I say, but that's not what he does. He says, a fellow elder. He's modeling the way. He's being an example. He was literally there for the sufferings of Christ, but he is also the word uh, witness is marturos or martyr. He is suffering for Christ. He is with them in it. He's a partaker of the difficulty of following Jesus. He's being an example of what a shepherd leader looks like. Elders are called to lead by example, not oppressively or harshly. Fifth big idea is this. Elders lead looking to Jesus. Elders lead looking to Jesus. Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Who's the chief shepherd? Jesus. Elders are called to lead looking to Jesus. He is their reward. He is their goal. Church, this is really important. Our reward and our goal, not just elders, but God's people, is not our circumstances in this present life. Amen? Thank you. It's not what's happening now. It's what's coming for us. So elders, pastors are called to lead looking to Jesus, but we as God's people are called to not lead and live our lives looking at our present circumstances as our reward. That would be really discouraging most days. But to what is coming in Christ, that future glory, that future hope. So how are elders to lead? By exercising oversight, willingly, eagerly, leading by example, looking to Jesus. So that leads to a second question. How should we respond? How do we as God's people respond to our elders? How do we respond to God? What do we do with this as a church body? Let me just give you two very practical responses we see from this text. And then we'll lead into a time of response. First 
response is this. God's flock should be marked by submission. God's flock should be marked by submission. You might say, I don't like that very much. Well, that's what Peter says. So let's just read it together. Verse 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Be subject to the elders. And this makes sense because all throughout Peter, we've been reading in chapter 2 and chapter 3, is this theme of submission. Submitting to the government, submitting to your masters, submission within marriage, submission within church. And so it makes sense within this context that Peter would say one of the responses of God's people is to submit ultimately to God, but to the leaders that God has placed within the church. You might say, well, hold on a second. He says to those who are younger. Why does he say it to those who are younger instead of to the whole? I think two reasons. One, there's something inside those of us who are younger who like to push back against authority. And so I think Peter's just very specifically speaking to this group, saying, hey, there's going to be something in you that's going to cause you to want to question, push back, be disrespectful, usurp authority. Don't do that. Be subject to your authority. But I don't think it's limited to just those who are younger. I think the assumption by Peter is that believers who are older will be mature enough to know to be submissive to the leadership that's in the local church. And can I just say that that's probably not the case for some of us today in our culture. We live in a culture that wants to break outside of the boundaries, who wants to break outside of submission. We want to be in control of our own life and our own world. We don't like the idea of that. But in this culture, in a Judeo-Christian culture, it was a patriarchal society. Or if you were a Gentile from a Roman society, it was a, a patro-family society where there was a leader within the family and everyone looked to them and everyone submitted to them. So Peter's assumption is that those who are mature in their faith and who are older are going to understand, no, we submit to these leaders because they're perfect and have it all figured out. No way. Because they have been set apart by God to do this. So we submit to them as we ultimately submit to God. So one way we respond as God's people is submission. You might say, I don't know how I feel about that. Again, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit yourselves to one another. It's part of how we love one another. It's how we follow Christ. Submission is not bad. Hebrews 13, 17 says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Second last big idea is this. How should we respond? God's flock should be marked by humility. Submission and humility. Now Peter gives a direct charge to all of the church, everyone who's listening. Verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Second, clothe yourselves. And this is important. He even calls it out. All of you, the elders, the younger, everybody, all of you with humility toward one another. Why? For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many of you in this room want to be opposed by God? I'm glad I don't see any hands. I don't. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, here's the reality. 
You can choose submission, but not be humble. But if you grow in humility, you'll embrace submission. Why? Because humility is not just thinking less of ourselves or thinking bad about ourselves. Humility in God's word is always a right view of God and a right view of self. And when we center our lives on God, the chief shepherd, Jesus, our hope, it's going to foster a humility and a dependence upon God and the leaders that he's placed in our lives. So in conclusion, there's a tension that's here. I don't know if you felt it. I've felt it this whole week, kind of getting my mind and heart around this passage. Here's the tension. This is a weighty challenge, and we all fall really short of it. As one of your pastors, as one of your elders, I fall short of this. So what do we do? Well, if you're looking for a church with perfect leaders and perfect people, you should find another church. I wish we could be a perfect church. But we're not going to be that. So what do we do as a people who are trying to figure this out, trying to walk in obedience and trying to pursue? Here's what we do. We look to Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. Verse 4. He is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. 1 Peter 2, 25. But Jesus himself said this about himself in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. So friends, we're going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. We're going to let one another down in this body. So how do we move forward? We keep pursuing obedience while looking to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the one true shepherd. So here's what I want us to do this morning as we go into time response. and We just want to give you a moment just to pray and consider these things. We're not going to sing Again, we'll have an elder conversation in a few minutes, but I just want to give you a moment just to, to pray and kind of think about your response individually, but then also your inner response as a part of our body. So I just want to invite you to bow your head just where you are, just make your chair an altar. I just want to ask you a couple questions. First, as you think about these things personally, as a Jesus follower, for those who are members of this church family? Is there any area of your life where you're struggling in submission or humility? Submission to the Lord, ultimately. Humility to the Lord, ultimately then also to the leaders that God has given you within this church body. Is there anything in your life right now that's distracting you from living and trusting and following the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ? The one who laid down his life for you. 
And I just want to give you a moment just in your seat, just an opportunity to repent, to confess, to examine, to trust. We live in a culture where leadership is often questioned because we've seen a lot of questionable leaders in government, in our world, but also in the church. That doesn't mean that we stop pursuing obedience, trusting God, walking faithfully to God. So one of the ways that we can do that this morning, and I want to invite you to do that now, just where you are, would you please pray for your elders now? We are in desperate need of God's grace, God's strength, God's mercy. We are unworthy to lead anyone or anything. And there's a weight that comes to serving you. Would you pray for us? Would you pray for our marriages? Would you pray for our kids? Even now. Lastly, I just want to invite you to pray that God would raise up elders within this congregation. Men who could maybe lead here or go and be sent out to lead other churches from our church. But we want to be a church where God is raising up men, raising up families take on this mantle of carrying the gospel and care for local churches, would you pray that God would do that? That even now the Holy Spirit would begin stirring the hearts of some to take on this calling of giving their lives to gospel ministry. Lastly, would you just pray for your brothers and sisters in this room that God would help us in the days ahead. Help us to be a faithful people, faithful church, a faithful flock to the one true shepherd. To not do what is easy, but to pursue obedience, faithfulness, with our hope fixed on Jesus. Just pray for your brothers and sisters in this room. Father God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the way that you've chosen for your church to be led. We thank you we get to be a part of a church with elders. I thank you for that. Not because I am one, but because I get to submit to my brothers who are elders. That they care for my soul. I thank you for their faith and that I get to try to imitate their faith. Help me, help us to do that. As your word calls us to, consider 
their way of life, to imitate their faith. There's a humility that comes in that, saying, I, I need to have examples outside of myself to follow. Lord, please help our elders, help their families, help our spouses, Lord, that we might model the way of faithfulness and of pursuit. Please protect us from sin and selfishness and pride. God, we need you. And we do pray that you would raise up men within this body who could lock arms with our elders, who could be sent out as elders, that you would raise up leaders within the local church who can be shepherds for the local church until you come again. Would you please do that? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.